0: Once again, it's such a blessing to be here, a blessing to be with all of you. I'm going to look to uh, the book of John this evening, the Gospel of John, chapter 11. I'll begin reading in verse 21, and we'll look at the subject of Christ, our resurrection. Christ, our resurrection, John 11. Verse 21, Then said Martha unto Jesus our Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died, but I know that even now, whatsoever thou wilt ask of God, God will give it thee. And Jesus saith unto her, "Thy brother shall live arise again." And Martha said unto him, saith unto him, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus saith unto her, I am the resurrection and the life." He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? She saith unto him, Yea, Lord, I believe that thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God, which should come into the world. The resurrection life. Certainly one of the greatest Of the Christian faith is the resurrection of Christ. Paul goes so far as to say in 1 Corinthians 15, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand, by which also you are saved, if ye keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. Paul goes so far as to say you don't have the gospel unless you have the resurrection of Christ. He was buried and he rose again. If it's to be called Christian, it must include the resurrection of Christ or else we wouldn't say that it was the Christian faith. Paul went so far as to write of some when he was speaking to Timothy, Hymenius and and Philetus, "...who concerning the truth have erred, saying that the resurrection is past already, and overthrow the faith of some." So Paul goes so far as to say we don't have the faith if we don't have the resurrection. And when, therefore, we think that we believe as Christians... The resurrection of Christ must be most prominent. If you were to read through the book of Acts, you would find that really it was the fundamental, uh, maybe that's too strong, but I don't think it is. It it definitely was the prominent uh, message as they went preaching that Christ had arisen from the dead. And you all are no doubt familiar with Acts chapter 2 when uh, Peter was to speak on the day of Pentecost and he spoke about their guilt. Ye men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs, which God did by him in the midst of you as you yourselves also know, him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God you've taken And by wicked hands have crucified and slain. But then what did Peter say? Whom God hath raised up. And not only uh, mentioning that. But he said uh, him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God. That they crucified and slain whom God hath raised up. Having loosed the pains of death because it was not possible that he should be holden of it. So not only is it a belief, but it's such a fact. He being the Son of God, it really was impossible that death would hold Christ in the grave. So when Christ speaks to uh, Mary and Martha regarding the death of Lazarus, uh, their brother, uh, he is speaking one of the most fundamental and one of the most prominent truths that the Bible holds and which is prominent in Christianity. I believe we could say tonight, that uh, without the resurrection we just as well close the doors and and go home because the evidence that uh, we will live is the fact that Christ arose how prominent is that in your minds let's say that we're all Christians and so I would ask every one of you How prominent is the resurrection in your daily living? How much of an impact does the thought of the resurrection of Christ have in your daily living? That's basically what's going on here in our text. True, it may have been one of the extremities of life. In other words, a loved one dying. But that only proves the point. If the resurrection of Christ is to facilitate blessing in our greatest extremities, then it certainly would be a blessing in what we would call lesser trials. And so when, when the Savior speaks and he's, to Martha after she said, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. And the Savior says, when he asked her concerning Lazarus' death, and she said, I know he will rise again at the last day. The Savior, I'm going to say he puts a twist on it. That that seems to be blasphemous almost. But anyway, the, the point was, it's not just the resurrection then, but it's that we live on the truth of the resurrection now. And that, that brings the question again, how, how prominent is the resurrection in our uh, daily living? And there's a difference between the creed and the Christ. In other words, I can believe in the creed of the resurrection I can believe that he actually did rise from the dead. I can believe that, uh, and maybe I should say any of us could believe, that Christ arose from the dead on the third day. And we should believe, because it is the gospel, that uh, when Christ arose, uh, that he, uh, he gave evidence that all of our sins were put away. That there indeed had been a, a true work done on the cross and that all God's children were justified. And we, we can believe in that very strongly and we should believe in it because it's a fact. And then we can believe that Christ is coming again and there, there's going to be the resurrection of all of God's children. And, uh, of course, the non-elect is as well, but not a resurrection to glory. But in 1 Corinthians 15, the resurrection is of such prominence. Uh, I love these passages, and I'm sure you do as well. Uh, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. But then he goes just a couple verses later and says... So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, in fact, a few verses above this, he says that, that this mortal must put on immortality. So the, the, the definiteness of, of these passages is just overwhelming. It, it is just inundating as we think of the work of Christ. And the fact that uh, the covenant of grace is fulfilled and all that God chose actually arose with Christ. And so we are delivered from our sins. You're certainly familiar with Romans 6. And he says, uh, we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father. Even so, we also should walk in newness of life. And so there is a a definiteness in our understanding of what Christ did to the point that even uh, our daily living is reflecting off of what Christ did. And so that we actually see ourselves buried when he was buried we actually, uh, really I could back up and say, we see ourselves crucified when he was crucified. We see ourselves buried when he was buried. And we see ourselves raised when he was raised. And he mentions that just a little bit uh, further. If we've been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. And whether you think that's literal or something that we are engaged in by faith in our uh, baptism it uh, it really makes no difference with regards to what i'm looking at it as it's a fact of what happened and we are looking to that fact in our living well i propose for your uh, consideration tonight that what christ is doing with uh, mary and martha is drawing their attention uh to a, a, a deep experience in the truth of the resurrection for the present. He's not only dwelling on the truth of the resurrection, but he is drawing upon them to have the daily experience within and the joy of the resurrection and we can have one without the other. You may have heard of the uh, woman who uh, was such a miser that she put every penny away and built up quite a sum of money, but still lived in a home that uh, was not heated or cooled or had running water or uh, any of the pleasantries of life that we think are necessities, but uh, really aren't, but anyway. Uh, but but she had much, but she lived as if she had nothing. And it's possible for us, it's certainly been for me, to, to believe in the resurrection. And I'm not minimizing the creed of the truth of the resurrection. I am not, excuse me, there's more than one way to get a congregation's attention. <laughs> I may use that again. Uh, uh, meanwhile, back at the ranch. Uh, but we can believe in the resurrection, and I'm not minif- minimizing uh, the doctrine of the resurrection. If you, if you think I am, when, I say, when I'm encouraging you to have the joy of the experience of the resurrection you 're actually one hundred and eighty degrees off because without the truth of the resurrection, the fact of the resurrection, the objective reality of the resurrection, we have no blessing in the present experiencing what has been done and so when when Mary and Martha uh, would perhaps be believing in uh, the fact that he would rise again, that's wonderful. That, that, that's wonderful. But the Savior makes this, this pronouncement, I am the resurrection and the life. And he brings it down to where it's as if to say to Martha, Martha, are you blessed by who I am right this minute? And I could, I could mention that to y'all. Is the belief of the resurrection, number one, a blessing in your heart with regards to the salvation accomplishment? And you would probably say yes. Yes. Is it also your belief in the last day when he comes again? And you would say yes. But here's some of the differences that we see between just having it in doctrine and having it in the sense that Christ is alive and with us. Now just suppose that Christ was here. Just suppose. This might make some of us afraid. Some of us maybe would feel ashamed, might have a lot of different feelings. But would you have the blessing of closeness, of fellowship? Would you speak to him? Would you have the blessing of perhaps the look of his eye? Do you think you could enjoy the blessing of perhaps a hug? And I'm not, I, I don't want this to become, you know, uh, too, too feely, but I do want it to become real. Well, brethren, when Christ went away, what did he say? What did he tell us? He's alive, right? He's at the right hand of God. Making intercession for us. John 14 is very plain. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. There's a sense in which he was saying to Martha, I am here. Isn't everything okay? Everything's going to be okay one day. But I'm asking you every day of your lives, are you okay? Do you want things to be quite a bit different in your life? That's what, that's what Martha and Mary wanted. If you had been here, our brother had not died. Do you ever think if the Lord had been here, Life wouldn't be like it is. And he's saying, I am here. It's very interesting that the Lord made an intentional delay. Intentional. Does your God allow for an intentional delay that when you call for him, he may not be there instantly because he wants you to know what you really need. You see, when we pray to him, it's usually health. That, nothing wrong with that. I'm just saying that can't be primary. It's wealth. Nothing wrong with that, but it cannot be primary. We actually need the blessing of the Savior with us. Yes, Lazarus going to rise. Wonderful. He was raised right then. But the Savior was saying to them, at least in my understanding, you need me more than you need your brothers being raised from the dead. It's tough, isn't it? kind of tough. But God is not a puppet on our string. God is not Santa Claus in the sky. The Lord is not always on the other end of your, uh, you know, dial on your phone. The Lord delays, you remember he waited, we could turn and read that actually, I'll not. You're, you're aware that they said he was sick and then the Lord waited, delayed until he died and then he went and the Lord delays with us, brethren, and it's good for us. I don't like it, but it's good for me. He delays so that I yearn for him, and I long for him, and I need him more than I need the things of this life. And and if if you're longing for something this evening, there are people that long for the perfect marriage. They may long for a great education, a great uh, a great career. Nothing wrong with any of that. Uh, perfect children. Uh, I don't know what the Snickers are for. (laughs) But brethren, we need him. We need him. We need him. We need his presence in our lives. Believers believe in the resurrection. But they believe that Christ, when he arose, that he sent the Comforter. Somebody says, what would happen to your church if the Holy Ghost left? You've heard the answer to this. I'm sure it's a very old example. But anyway, like I told you earlier, it's been 30 years since I was here. So. Uh, and the answer, too many times, what would happen to your church if the Holy Ghost left? Nothing. Things would go on the same. Because it's not having that much influence. Listen, the Savior said he would come in the presence of the Holy Spirit. Is there a trinity? There are three that bear record, right? The Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. These three are what? One. Right? The Savior leaving does not mean that we are less than the disciples. In fact, blessed are they, having not seen me, that they yet believe. And here he says, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come unto you. And then in John 16, as you know, he gives... Uh, Further explanation. When he has come, verse 8, John 16, when he has come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Here's three things that the Holy Spirit. Do we have the Spirit tonight? I don't know. I hope so. What is the Spirit? What is the presence of Christ? What is the resurrected Christ? Here's what the Holy Spirit does when he comes. Somebody asked me a while back, said, Brother Dickey, what do we have to do to make the church prosper? And I said, I'm too old for you to ask that question. I'm too old anyway. (laughs) Question or no question. I said, I'm too old. I said, what do you mean? Because I had the blessing when I was just a teenager of seeing the same gospel preached in a same simple form of worship and the Holy Spirit descend so that people are convicted of sin and believe on Christ and take up their cross in baptism and commit their life to Him and live their whole lives, I can see now, in dedication and commitment. That's the presence of Christ, but listen to how it comes. When He is come, He will reprove the world of sin. Now, the word reprove means to convince or convict. And, and this word is such a powerful word, it means as if you're actually uh, personally involved in an experience. In other words, it's not like you're viewing it excuse me, on a screen it means that you're actually drawn in to what is going on. In other words, it's like this. You hear the gospel, it's a creed, it's a belief, but what the Holy Spirit does is actually draws us into that so that the gospel is no longer just uh, something we believe, it's something that is. It's now. Now. It's what we're going through. Now don't say I'm diminishing the truth of the gospel because I'm not. You can't experience something that's not a fact. But if all you have is the fact and some intellectual knowledge, friends, it's not what God intended for the gospel to be. And so when the gospel comes, it lays us low. It takes our best deeds and shows them to be like filthy rags. It's no longer I've got the doctrine right. It's that I'm a wretch and I don't live according To the doctrine. There is a difference between religion and Christianity. We can be religious. The Jews were religious. They kept. You can be at church every Sunday. And you ought to be. But I'm just saying you can be at church every Sunday. You can read your Bible every day. You can spend time in what you think is prayer. And you can be absent from what I'm talking about. He says, when the Spirit comes, He convicts people of, tr- of, of sin. I don't like to see my sin. But every time I'm blessed to see a deeper level of my sin, do you know what happens? I love Him more. We need the Spirit. Why do people think it's dull to come to the church? Why? Why? Why do we think we we don't need to come? Why? Because we've lost sight, perhaps, of what Christ has done for us, and for us to experience it. Charlotte leaves, and uh, so I'm supposed to keep the house clean, keep the dishes washed, make the bed. All of a sudden, oh my goodness, this is horrible. I appreciate her when she gets back. I hope I appreciate her anyway, just a little bit. When he, the spirit of truth, is come, do we want revival? I do. Do I? I say I do. Do I? I want the knowledge of Christ deep in my soul right now. Do I? I say I do. Do I? If he comes, we're going to be laid low. Oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body? David said very plainly before he had the joy of his salvation he had sinned who did he sinned against his Lord against thee and thee only have I sinned well you probably want me to get off of that one but don't forget it he convinces us convinces us it's no longer somebody else that's a sinner we hear a lot of that The nations are sinning so much. I agree. And so are we. We're the sinners. And I love y'all. I'm not angry at you if I'm sounding that way. That laughing doesn't encourage me much. Reprove the world of sin. We could drop down. He says, uh, well, the explanation he gives is just a little bit lower uh, of sin because, well, they believe not on me. I can't see it, but anyway, it's there. Uh, What is our greatest sin what is our greatest sin we're to be convinced of our sin but it's this being engulfed could we say inundated could we say enamored with Christ You know, sometimes we want to move out to the country. We've talked about that a lot. Charlotte and I are looking for homes all the time. If we could afford it, we'd have already moved to the country. I said, Charlotte, I just want to go outside and have some calm and some peace and not all the sounds of automobiles and you know, all the commotion of the neighbors. And my sweet wife says, Dickie, if you were close to the Lord, you would feel him there just like Paul did at midnight. And I think, woman? Woman? <laughs> you trouble me. <laughs> But see, that's the way we are. What do we pray for? Wow, this is this is tough stuff. But would we pray like one of old that the Lord would even show us our heart? Man, that's hard. But we need to hear it. Well, he says... Uh, He'll reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin, because they believe not on me. Of righteousness, because I go to the Father and ye see me no more. And of judgment, because the prince of this world is come. So we have next that he will convince or reprove. You might say he will take you... And I don't mean this in a a mean way. I I mean it like if somebody takes you by the shoulders and says, I love you, brother. I I love you so much. But you're wrong. that's tough. But that's the way the gospel does. It's not angry. If I'm sounding angry, that's totally me. It's, that's not of God. And then he says, of course, what time did I start? That's a horrible thing of a preacher. My goodness. I'll try to get going here. Of, of, of righteousness, because I go to the Father and you see me no more. Man, that is so beautiful. So low and then so high. So low, and then so high. He convinces you of righteousness. Because I go to the Father. If Christ had not paid for our sins, I know this is hypothetical, but would he have arisen again? Well, and it's not hypothetical, but, but I want you to get the logic There is righteousness in this world in an experiential way among us because he arose. I need you to pray for me in this regard. Pray for me in every regard. But just like I was saying, wanting to get away. And and you know what I end up with there? Listen, I've lived too long, lived too many places. Everywhere I go, I'm there. (laughs) I pastored a church in Georgia, and I thought, when I get to Franklin, North Carolina, we are going, you know, to set the primitive Baptist world on fire. I mean, I didn't quite think it that badly. Maybe I would have recognized the pride in it, but it it was too close to that, okay? God had other plans what, what is your rightness in well I'm right because of I don't know you name it my morals are right good that's wonderful you know I'm the right one at work good keep doing that be right when I drive I'm right I don't go over the speed limit and I don't go so slow that I cause wrecks You know, I'm right. He said, you're convinced that Christ is your righteousness. We no longer, and you know what all of our own righteousness is? It's like Paul said, we compare ourselves among ourselves. And that's not good. I'm a good Christian, why? Because I'm better than these people that say they're Christians, but they don't go to church. I'm Friends, our sense of well-being has to be in the risen Christ. It has to be in the fact the Holy Spirit has convinced us that he is righteousness alone. And I, I want to read to you from the book of uh, Romans and just pick up this thought. Uh, he says, As it was by one that sinned, so is the gift. For the judgment was by one to condemnation, but the free gift is of many offenses unto justification. For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one. Therefore, as by the offense of one, judgment came upon all men to condemnation, even so by the righteousness of one. The free gift came upon all men unto the justification of life and we could spend time that Christ in his work justified those that had been given him but we'll not go into that but for as by one man's disobedience many were made uh, sinners even so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous it, it's not me against you or you against me or this group against that group he's with me in the presence of the Holy Spirit yes I am a great sinner but he has made me righteous I live I, I don't know let's just say it's a bubble okay get in the bubble of truth you know it'll, it'll, it'll reflect deflect you know, all this, this other things we take confidence in. We take joy and pride in. You have the greatest truth that's ever been known. Christ is actually with you. As much as if he was actually here. In fact, the Savior said more so. He said, Brother Dickie, are you crazy? Yeah, I am. But I'm truthfully crazy. When we meet our extremities, we don't think about this so much nowadays. David was at the end, right? After he'd sinned with Bathsheba? Where do you think Solomon ended up? Where do you think Paul ended up after holding the coat of Stephen? Have we met our extremities? I mean, when there is absolutely nothing, nowhere, there is no education, there is no person, there is no medication, there is, there is, there is no change of guard in D.C. There is nothing that helps. I could tell you the rest of my story. Then I went to Georgia. Are these tapes going to go out? Or these CDs? (laughs) Friends, everywhere I've gone, I've met the end of myself. And I've met the end of myself in Austin as well. But that's a good thing. When we're at the end of ourselves and we say, Lord, if you do not come, I will not make it through the rest of this hour. Or this day. Does he come? Yeah. Yes. When we're at the end, you know that that's where God's office is, don't you? It's at the end of your rope. That's where God's office is. Martha. Martha. Of course you love your brother, Martha. Mary, of course you love your brother. But I am the resurrection. Right now, right here, I'm with you. Does your brother's passing keep you from realizing, I'm here? Is that what happens to us? Yeah, yeah, that's what happens. But he's here. Okay, last point. He'll reprove or convince. When I was a uh, kid, <clears throat> they had this new movie projection. I know it was back when dinosaurs were on the earth, but anyway. Uh, it was called Cyclorama. Oh, it was the biggest thing you ever knew. How the West Was Won came out, and there, were, there was this, this movie theater in Denver. 350 miles away, we drove to the movie theater. I mean, it was like surround. I mean, the horse starts here and it goes all the way over there. You know, jiggle the seat. Well, you think you're on the horse, right? I mean, you're sucked in. That's what this word convince means. It's not just on a picture there. It is what you're experiencing. And he says... Uh, Back to John 16. He'll reprove the role of sin and of uh, righteousness and of judgment, excuse me, because the prince of this world is judged. Let me read just a little bit more. I have yet many things to say unto you, but ye cannot hear them now. Albeit when he the spirit of truth is come, He will guide you into all truth, for he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. He shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine, and shall show them unto you. All things that the Father hath are mine, therefore said I that he shall take of mine And show it unto you. A little while and ye shall not see me. And again a little while. And ye shall see me. Because I go to the Father. I hear often. And I've said it myself. Again this is not a sermon against people. This is I hope an instruction. What's happening to the world? Well, it's the world. <laughs> what would you expect? It's getting so bad. Yeah, it's getting bad. I don't know. It seems to me like there's a Paul. It's almost like Satan is everywhere. I mean everywhere. Every institution, it seems like. I'm sorry to say. No, I better not say that. But when the spirit comes, he even convinces us, let me get it exact, of judgment, because the prince of this world is judged. Somehow we think, because we're Christians, we're going to make everything good. what you can make things good outwardly does that actually change the dynamics the spirit comes i'm so sorry i didn't mean to do that when the spirit comes he convinces us that this world is actually the world And we're not ever going to find, as God's children, if he's worked in our hearts and we've been longing for another world, It's our, our, our fulfillment is not going to be found in a perfect little society. If the Spirit has come, even if we're in a perfect society... Now, I wish we had a much more godly society. Do not misunderstand me. I'm just saying that if you have a a job where there's there's no conflict, everybody's honest. Everybody gets to work 15 minutes early. Everybody only takes 25 minutes for lunch instead of 30 minutes. Everybody's doing a great job. We think that'd make heaven. Friends, are we Christians? Do we believe that Christ is in the heavens and when He comes, He's taking us out of here for another place? So that what is the blessing even if we had a very good environment? And please do pray to kings and all that are in authority that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life. Please pray. Goodness knows I'm so frightened for my uh, grandchildren. But I'm still saying that is not what one who has been touched by the Spirit of God and is moved by the Holy Spirit and taught by the Gospel has come to. They even realize the best there is here doesn't give what Christ in His presence gives us Because the world is judged. Now I'll try to end on a better note. So just suppose everything continues to get worse. Just suppose. You probably don't have to suppose. (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) I said I was going to say better. Do you know your meetings can be more blessed than they've ever been? I hear it said sometimes. What are we going to do? We're Christians. I hope. We're going to meet and worship. And probably Christ will be more in our midst. You know? What are we going to do? Can't have a job. Well, like a deacon said at home to me when I was all tied up in knots, fretted and worried to death. He said, Brother Dickie, chill said, so how do you chill in this world? He said, Brother Dickie, the Lord is going to be with us. And if they take our property and they drive us all to the brush country, and if you don't know Texas, that means desert. He said, God will be with us. I tell you. And he said, I'll even give you some natural hope. I can keep. I can kill enough venison to feed the whole church. <laughs> Friends, the world is judged. The Spirit convinces us. And so, to Martha, ha gave her even the natural blessings. And you know, it, it could be that for us. You know, it might be. Maybe he's going to bless the gospel to go and we'll return to a wonderful society. Maybe so. Maybe so. Pray. But if not, if not, it's all okay. Because the resurrection, Christ, is with us. I thank you for the